So we're kicking off a brand new series tonight. And now everyone's wondering, why did they, that wasn't funny. Um, so we're kicking off a brand new series tonight called Struggle Bus. And I love this idea. Um, and one of the reasons, this is so cool that this coincidentally happened, um, what we're leading our adults through in our adult um, service on Sundays um, is the same kind of idea that we're about to lead you guys through. And it's something that's kind of been heavy on my heart as I've been navigating over the past few months and you know, a couple of years. Uh, but also what I feel like most people are navigating is the, um, the health of our souls and the health of our mind and our being and life in so many ways, and tell me if you can relate, just feels like recently. And whether it be because your freshman year was a weird start to college or your senior year was a terrible way to finish high school or you're still trying to figure out what life looks like post-COVID and you're trying to get your rhythm back, it just kind of feels like you're stuck on the struggle bus. And I don't even have to describe to you what it means to be on the struggle bus because you get it. In fact, some of you guys are on it. Some of y'all been on it for a long time. Some of y'all been strapped in, like here and over the shoulders on the struggle bus. And you wanna get off of it. And the struggle bus, and you get this, right? It's, it's when life is just a lot. What does that mean? I don't need to define it. It just feels like a lot. It's whenever you kind of feel like you're behind on everything, even though you're doing everything. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't, I can't ever catch a break. I can't ever catch my breath. When you're on the struggle bus, it's like life feels like you are out of rhythm, right? Maybe you're sitting next to this person. It's like that person during worship can't clap on beat, right? You know, spirit of God's been up. And that's what your life feels like. God bless you if that's you. Just don't clap, just sing. You probably have a great voice. And even if you don't, it's better than clapping off beat. Um, but it's like being on the struggle bus, your life feels like that person that just can't clap on beat. Like everything is just off. Just my wife, we just had um, our third baby girl. Um, and so she is six weeks old, I think six weeks old, yeah. Her name's Zara. And my wife, incredible, it's our third kid. And so I don't know how, she, I'm like tired just because it's Tuesday. And she's like, I just had a kid. I'm like, yeah, I got no excuses. Um, but just a couple nights ago, we were just kind of talking and she was like, I just feel like blah. And I was like, girl, I get it. I get it, you know? <laughs> like that's all she's got to say. I just feel like blah. And some of you just feel like blah. Why? Don't know. Don't need a reason. Just feel like blah. Struggle bus, it just I feel like, blah. Um, and there's so many things going on and I've got all this to do and I just can't do it all. And I just kind of feel like I'm, nothing's getting my best. I don't feel like I am who I am. Like sometimes I'm just in a bad mood and just cause it's Wednesday, you know? And it's like, what happened? I woke up, you know? It's like, <laughs> nothing happened, you know? If you're in a relationship, it's like, you're always fighting about these dumb little things and you're like annoyed at him for no reason. And I get it. It's just, it, and it's like, why are you mad at me? I don't know, I just can't right now. You know, <laughs> I have no experience with that conversation. Um, but that's a struggle bus. Like your routines are messed up. You find yourself just like physically more tired than you normally are. And more sleep doesn't seem to fix the problem. Like no matter how much you're sleeping, no matter how early to bed you get, you still just kind of feel like blah, right? And you even maybe started to notice that you're easily agitated or you're not acting like yourself or you're quiet or maybe even your friends notice that there's something just wrong. And you just kind of feel like, hey, I don't 
just I'm on the struggle bus. Or maybe even, even um, life just kind of feels a little bit, not pointless, but you're not even really sure where you're going. Like, what's my, like, I don't even know what I'm doing on this earth. What's my, what's my purpose? Maybe your relationships and your friendships, like you're not experiencing all the fun and all the things that you used to experience with your roommates, right? I mean, there's just so many different things where it just feels like I'm on the struggle bus. And if I could just kind of like give like a, a general for me what sometimes it feels like to be on the struggle bus is I'm not experiencing a lot of joy. I'm not experiencing a lot of peace. And I don't feel like I'm experiencing a lot of love in my friendships and in my community with people. Like I'm not experiencing a lot of joy because I just kind of feel like discontent. I'm not experiencing a lot of joy because I don't like where I am. I don't like what my life looks like. I don't like, like how school is going. I'm not experiencing a lot of peace because I might be stressed about something or I'm anxious about something. I'm not getting a lot of sleep. I, like, I feel unsettled. I don't feel like life is going the way that I want it to go. I'm not feeling a lot of peace. I'm always thinking about kind of what's next and I'm not experiencing a lot of Love, like I don't feel like I'm able to love people the way that I normally would. I'm not acting as myself. I'm a little bit more agitated. I'm a little bit more frustrated. I'm always in a hurry. I don't have much time. For me, it just feels like when I'm on the struggle bus, there's not a lot of love, there's not a lot of joy, and there's not a lot of peace. And, and you're on the struggle bus long enough, and that starts to take a toll on you. It starts to take a toll on your mind. It starts to take a toll on your body. It starts to take a toll even on your will. It's like every day being on the struggle bus, it just kind of chips away a little bit at you. And ultimately what it starts to do, it starts to take a toll on your soul, on like your innermost being. And your soul just starts to get depleted. And it's a type of fatigue that goes far beyond anything physical. It's a combination of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional. Your soul is just depleted. And so what we're gonna do over the course of this series just for the next couple of weeks is talk about a couple of things that, um, that, that sabotage and kill the best of us, that sabotage our souls. And what we wanna do is give you some practical handles on how to experience the life that Jesus wants you to experience. Joy, peace, and one of love. And tonight I want to talk about um, one particular enemy of the soul. It is very, very subtle but it will surely wreak havoc in your heart and in your life. Um, there was this, uh, don't ask me how I found it because I couldn't tell you, but um, there was, I came across this torture technique uh, from the Middle Ages. I don't know how I came across this, don't ask me how, but it's pretty jacked up. Um, but so it's this torture technique, what they would do is they would take uh, the prisoner or the unlucky human being, and they would tie a rope to each of their limbs. And then they would tie each of those four ropes to a different horse. And I'll leave the rest to your imagination. Here's what's fascinating though. Again, I don't know, I didn't Google the torture, I don't know how I found it, okay? <clears throat> Here's what's so fascinating though, you ready? The French, particularly, any French people in the house? Really? Okay. You speak French. Are, Oh my gosh, hang on, are you from France? No. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I was like, oh man, okay, okay. Your mom is, okay, close enough, close enough. This is fantastic. Um, this, so you're French, straight up. Okay, you sounded French. That was pa 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 pa. Okay. Um, this torture technique, ironically, was preferred by the French, so y'all, y'all, okay. I'm kidding. No, it's okay, middle age, it's a long time ago. Don't be sorry, it's all good. Um, but here's what's fascinating. What caught my attention 
was what the French called this torture technique, and they called it distraction. Death by distraction. Being pulled in a number of different directions with an inability to keep it all together. And in a less gruesome way, but in as much of a personally detrimental way to you and to me, I believe that death by distraction is a danger for all of us. Being pulled in a number of different directions with an inability to keep it all together. Being pulled in a number of different directions that keeps you and I strapped on the struggle bus because we can never catch our breath. Now, I think definitions are important. So for the sake of this conversation, here's how I'm defining a distraction, okay? A distraction, I'm gonna throw this, a distraction, that which pulls our attention away from what matters most. A distraction is anything that pulls our attention away from what matters most. Now, I wanna be very clear. I am intentionally, you were, use the word attention. It pulls your attention, not necessarily your time or even your energy. I think those are all kind of combined in your attention, but it pulls your attention away. You've probably heard people talk about what is your most precious commodity, and they might say time is your most precious commodity, but time, I don't believe, is your most precious commodity. I think our most precious commodity is our attention, that like time, our attention is limited. Like time, we get to decide what we do with our attention. But it's something that of, of, of great value. Have you ever noticed how we tell people to pay attention? Because it's something of value. And here's why I believe attention is a more precious commodity than even our time. Even though to some degree they are linked. They're both limited and we decide what to do with them. But I think our attention is most valuable because of what it leads to. A poet named Mary Oliver, she said this about attention. Attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. That where you are directing and giving your attention is ultimately what you are devoted to. And what you are devoted to, in other words, what you value most, what you prioritize most. The reason why that matters is because what you are devoted to will ultimately determine who you become. So you go back far enough, who you are becoming. Are you becoming a person who experienced, are you becoming a person of love, a person of joy, and a person of peace? What that comes back to is what is, you, what is getting your attention. Are you a person that is consistently on the struggle bus where your soul feels depleted, where you always feel tired, where you never feel like you're able to do what you are trying to do? Well, my question is, where is your attention going? I think a worthwhile question is for us to answer that question. Have you ever audited or examined your attention? What is getting your attention? And maybe a better way to ask the question is this. <clears throat> what are you distracted from that you should be devoted to? What are you distracted from that you actually should be devoted to? What are you distracted from that actually might lead you to being a person of love, peace, and joy? What are you distracted from that might actually lead you off of the struggle bus? What are you distracted from that you should be devoted to? What are you distracted from that should matter most? Because here's what is true, that there is a world, and you know this, vying for your attention day in and day out. There are so many things that want your attention. Right? I mean, we're distracted in a number of different ways. Like for one, and this is simple, you get this, we're distracted by the busyness of life. Like 
All the going and the going and the going. All the school, all the homework, all the studying. Some of you guys, and it's really impressive, you're balancing working and going to school. Working long hours, working late, and then you've got to come home and study. You're doing both, but we're just busy. You've got relationships to manage. You've got friendships to manage. And I don't mean manage and manipulate. I mean like, hey, there's certain relationships that need your time and you wanna hang out with this friend and this friend and this friend and, and this boyfriend, he's so needy and, and he's always wants your time. And, right? and, and there's just a lot of relationships they're trying to manage. And for some of you, for some of you, um, you're currently, you're still living at home. And for you, so you've got your friends and then and your parents are like, oh my gosh, you're still home. And you're like, oh my gosh, yes, but I'm in college, leave me alone, right? But there's like, so you're trying to manage that tension. You're trying to manage that relationship. There's just the busyness of life, the going and the going and the doing and the doing. Um, uh, here's a quote by Corey, uh, Corey Tim Boone said this, um, uh, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy because either way your soul will shrivel. That sin and busyness, and I don't mean just like the normal, I mean like extreme busyness, like we just don't ever stop busyness, has the same effect on our soul as sin. It disconnects us from people. It disconnects us from our most important relationships. It even disconnects us from our faith and from God because we're too busy for things. And it even begins to disconnect us from our souls. Have you ever, watch this, you ever been like, your day has been so crazy and then you finally sit down on the couch in your apartment or you lay down on your bed and it's like the first time you feel like you're actually like living. Like it's like you were going at, you know like when you have to stop to catch your breath? Like, it's like when we go, go, go to such a degree, it's like we're moving faster than our soul and it's like we're on autopilot. We don't even really, we don't even think about what is going on today. We're just going. And then it's like you sit down and it's like, Whoa, I feel like my soul just caught up to me. This connects us from what it means to be human. We're distracted by the business of life. We're also distracted by technology and entertainment, okay? And I'm not about to tell you that your cell phone is evil, okay? I just got the new iPhone 13 Pro, thing is sick. But um, we're distracted by technology and entertainment, like we just are. Apps and social media, come on. It is crazy. Like I swear, time moves faster when you're scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, or whatever you're scrolling through. It's like you get going, and the next thing you're like, oh my gosh, it's been three hours. But then what do you do? You just keep going. You just keep going, you know? And it's kind of like, okay, last one. Oh, but what if the next one's better? Oh, I don't want to end on that one. That was stupid. And you know, it's like, you just keep going, right? It's crazy. Apps is constantly vying for our attention. Apps sending us notifications left and right, constantly vying for our attention. Out of control group texts vying for our attention. Then isn't it so interesting? Like when you hear your phone, and it's probably not on loud. Man, if you live with your phone on loud, come on. But, um, but it, you know, you're, it, it, you hear like the, you know, like the, the, your phone vibrates. And even if you're not trying to pay attention to your phone, and you hear it, even if you don't go pick it up, where's your attention? On your phone. And even if you're like, no, no, I'm not gonna go get it. You're thinking, hmm, who was that? It's 8.30, could be mom, but that's a little late. You know, it's like you're, you're, and you're in a conversation. This happens with me and my kids, if I'm being honest. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later, but man, like, you just, your attention immediately, gone. Um, Netflix or Hulu, whatever you're watching, y'all, Netflix literally asks you, are you still watching? <laughs> Translation, 
hey, bruh, we've been here for a minute. Everything okay? And then you're like, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> dumb question. Yes, I'm still watching. Thank you for checking in. But you just, you know, you're going and you're going and you spend the whole Saturday. And I get it. You want to decompress. But the next thing you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, about 18 episodes of Ozark. And it's like, where I don't even know where the time went. And isn't this, you ever think this, if I only I had more time? I know you do. Every human does, but especially you. Because you got so much going on. Heck, I do it. All of us do. I think if I don't say it once a day, I feel it once a day. I had this thought. Um, if, if my phone could talk to me, and I know like technically it can because of Siri, but like if, if my, specifically my screen time page could talk to me, what would it say verbally if I told it I don't have enough time? I think my iPhone would laugh at me. Verbally, it would make fun of me. Verbally, it would assault me for saying that. We spend so much time and it gets so much of our attention. We're distracted by technology and entertainment. I'm not saying it's bad. We're just so easily distracted. But we're also distracted by different worldviews. We're distracted by different worldviews that say, the faster you go, the better off you'll be. That you are going to be um, uh, the summation of your success, so you better crush it in college. You've got to get the best internship, and, and, and if you don't crush it in your major, and you don't get the best GPA, and you don't get the best internship, then your future is going to be stunted. That we fall for this worldview that eventually the most important thing about me will be how much I earn. Come on, I still remember. You're in a major, and one of the first things you're thinking, I wonder what the average starting salary is for the people in this industry. You know, But what that does is, is it distracts us from the things that are most important. And you know what we ultimately become distracted from as well, distracted by the business, by the technology and entertainment and by these different worldviews. And maybe the, the thing that kills us the most is we end up being distracted from the present moment that we are in. So this is fascinating. Um, in 2010, there were these two Harvard psychologists that did um, a study and what they found was, his name was um, Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert. And what they found was that 40, um, for the average human, okay, so that's me and you. I'm super average, maybe below average. But for the average human, we spend 47% of our waking hours thinking about something other than the moment that we are in. So half the time we are awake, we're not even present in the moment or in the conversation or in whatever it is that we are in. And this is what they wrote in their study. You ready? The ability, the ability to think about what is not happening is a cognitive achievement that comes at an emotional cost. It's like an incredible thing that we can do that. It's cognitive achievement. We are wired differently. Like humans are built different, okay? But it comes at an emotional cost cost. And you know this. If you've ever seen a counselor or therapist, they would tell you this. My counselor, Andy Ward, shout out, would tell you this, that, that joy is linked to being present. Peace is linked to being present. Mindfulness is healthy for the soul. If you've ever had a panic attack or an anxiety attack, I've had a panic attack before, what do they tell you? Ground yourself to the present. Yeah, we're living in a world so distracted by things that Half the time we're awake, we're not in it. Isn't that crazy? So ultimately, you and I are distracted from the things that are most important. Usually the first thing to go is connected to our faith, if, if you have one. 
you believe in God, you don't say, you know, I'll be there, you ain't going anywhere. Nah, Bible app, Bible's been around long enough, it can last a little bit longer on its own. We're distracted from our faith. We're distracted from friends and community and life-giving relationships. For some of us, we're distracted from our family. You ain't called your mom in a month. We're distracted from our health, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, and we're putting our health secondary because we're so distracted. And here's what a distracted life leads to. A distracted life leads to disordered priorities. Things get out of whack. A distracted life keeps us from the beauty of the present. And then third, a distracted life limits our capacity for love, joy, and peace. The urgent crowds out the important. Relationships that deserve your best get half your best, at best. And faith turns into an hour and a half activity on a Wednesday. And it's not going to be the kind of life that leads to love, joy, and peace. And what I want you to know at the center of what Jesus desires for you is a life as you're connected to him where you experience love, joy, and peace. And and even if you're not a Jesus follower and you're not sure what you believe about faith, you're just kind of here because you heard we were having free dinner, that's awesome. I'm glad you're here. I hope you keep coming back. Even if you don't believe, you can come back here if you're curious. But come on, you don't even have to believe in Jesus to want to experience more joy and peace and love in your life. But we're distracted from the things that'll lead us to it. And I wanna look at this interaction that that happens between Jesus and um, these two sisters, Mary and Martha. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, if you wanna turn there in your Bibles, if you can, or open up your app, I'm gonna throw it up on the screen here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's the third gospel of the New Testament. If you get to John, just go one back. If you get to Acts, go two back. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 10. This might be one of the most like real interactions in all of scripture. I love how real this is. Luke chapter 10, um, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Goes on, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So we got two drastically different pictures here. Jesus, a well-respected rabbi, people would have heard about Jesus, like they would have known about his miracles, and like this, this, he's just different, and it's an honor that he's at their house. And so you've got Mary, the younger sister, sitting at his feet, soaking up every single word, all the story, all the wisdom. She's got the posture of a disciple. She's got the posture of a follower. And then you've got Martha, who is, Luke tells us, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made in the kitchen. She's cooking up a storm because she's got a guest in the house. Now, you've got to understand something. Culturally, what is happening here is exactly what would have been expected. And I get this so much because my family's from Israel, so I understand Middle Eastern culture. I don't need like a scholar to tell me what's happening in this particular story, because I get it. Martha is my grandmother. Martha is my mom. Whenever you have a guest in Middle Eastern culture, it is like the top of the top priority. Like hospitality is our greatest value. If you've got a guest coming to your house, you better take care of them. If you were to come to my parents' house for dinner, my mom would ask you if you were hungry before she asked you what your name was. Because she wants to make sure you're okay. She wants to make sure you're fed. Right? 
Samer, go, go get drinks. Samer, Samer, come on. They're, Mom, they ain't asking. Go get drinks. Are you know that? Go get them some water. You know, like they just want to take care of you. If you're having dinner at my parents' house and your plate gets empty because you finish, you don't have to say anything. They're going to put more on your plate. And if you say no, they're not going to listen because they want to make sure. No, no, you're too shy. Like, no, don't be shy. You can have more. Like, I, y'all, I grew up with my parents. And when I go over there to dinner and my plate gets empty, my mom still's like, Samer, don't be shy. I'm like, Mom, I'm 33 years old. I'm not shy. You're my mother. I'm legit full. Sam, you didn't eat enough. Mom, yes, 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 I did. Leave me alone. You know, it's like, <laughs> my dad tells the story. Um, him and my parents, they um, met and got married in Israel, and they immigrated here to the United States, and I was born here. I'm like you. Um, what's your name? Olivia. Olivia. I'm like you, Olivia. And so I'm first generation here, so Arabic was my first language, all that. All my family still lives in Israel. And um, so my dad tells a story whenever my Mom, when they first moved back here, they went to go dinner, had dinner at one of my dad's American friend's house, and they're having hamburgers that night. And so my mom finished her, you know, finished her hamburger, and they asked her, hey, do you want more? And she said no. So then they, they she said no, so then they got in the car to leave, and she's like, hey, hey, Suhail, that's my dad's name. She's like, Suhail, can we stop by like McDonald's or something? I'm hungry. My dad's like, Marie, we just had dinner. And she was like, I know. And he was like, why didn't, you, why didn't you take more when they asked you? And she was like, well, I said no, but I was confused at why they didn't disagree and give me more food. And my dad was like, Marie, they ain't just gonna put on your plate. This is America. You know, like, you've gotta ask for it. It's just different. She was expecting, like, no, 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 I'm gonna take care of you. So what, what is happening with Martha She is like, man, I've just got to whip up this five-course meal because Jesus is here. This is exactly what would have been happening in the culture. This still happens today. So culturally, it would have been appropriate. Culturally, it would have been expected. But then something starts to happen. Martha, whipping up the meal, whipping up that hummus, you know what I'm saying, that Greek salad. And I don't call it hummus, it's hummus, okay? That's how I say it in my Arabic language. And she starts to get a little frustrated with Mary. You know, you ever been there? You're whipping up something. And she's like, oh, Mary's not helping me. You know, oh, funny joke, Mary. (laughs) You know, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's so good. It's gonna, this pot roast ain't gonna cook itself, Mary. You know, she's just getting so fresh. And she's just, she is just, she's down. The the, uh, hummus is disappearing. You know what I'm saying? Like she's just, she gets, she's getting really frustrated that she's doing all the work and they're having a good old time. And so she does what any well-respected adult would have done in the first century. She goes to tell Jesus about it. Verse 40, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Martha asks the question in a way where she is anticipating a positive response. She's expecting Jesus to say, oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah, 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 I'm so, so, so sorry. We got caught up. I told this crazy story. I healed this guy. Um, sorry, let me, let me go get married. No big deal, Martha. I'm so sorry. My bad. No, Jesus looks at Martha and says what I think one of the most profound things in all of the New Testament. He looks at her and he says, <clears throat> Martha, Martha, he says her name twice. It's an emotional appeal. You can, tell, you can sense it. He's just trying to, to calm her down. Martha, Martha. 
you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And then Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is so real. I love how real this story is. Jesus looks at her and he's like, hey, you're worried and upset about many things. Now, when I read this, I interpret it very literally. I think what Jesus was saying was, hey, you don't need to whip up a five-course meal. You're worried about many things, only a few dishes. Indeed, honestly, only one would have been enough so that you could have spent time with us. And he looks at her and he says, don't be upset with Mary. I'm Don't be mad at her. She chose what is better. Now Luke, he uses that word. He says Martha's distracted. It's the only time in all of the New Testament that that particular word is used. So it's very intentional. And what Luke is trying to describe is Martha's outward agitation was a sign of something going on on the inside. But Jesus, he doesn't say, notice, he doesn't say that Mary chose right and Martha chose wrong. He uses a comparative. He says, Martha chose better. This is what I call the distraction dilemma. Even a good thing can distract you from a better thing. How many of you know you can have a good thing, but then have a better thing? Chips and salsa. It's a good thing. Chips. Salsa, queso, and guac. Yeah, Frank, easy. It's better. You can have a good thing, but then have a better thing. And a good thing can distract you from a better thing. This is so important. Because distractions in and of themselves usually aren't like these evil, bad things. Those are easy to to determine and find. Usually the things that distract us from what are most important, in and of themselves, they're not bad. That's what makes them so subtle, right? Like I'm not gonna tell you like school is evil and your part-time job is evil, so drop out of both in Jesus' name. Like no, you need to do both. We're not handing out pastor's notes. My pastor said I didn't have to go to school today. No, please don't. That would be foolish. Really stupid. You know, like, like, like work and school isn't evil. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe there's exceptions to this rule. Um, that's funny. If y'all don't hear her, she said, yeah, it is. Um, cell phones. I'm not saying cell phones are evil, okay? We're not gonna have like a, and, and there's some people that think they are. I really don't think, I actually, they're super productive. They make us more productive. I get to FaceTime with my grandma in Israel and she's still confused at how FaceTime works, you know? I get to capture incredible moments with my kids and one of the things me and Harper get to do before we go to bed is she loves to look at pictures. So you know how her phone makes memories? So we get to watch memories when she was a baby and she asks questions about this. It's really, really sweet, Right? Cell phones in and of themselves aren't even, we're not gonna have like a burn your cell phone in the parking lot party after this, okay? That's not what's happening here. And, and you, you're just gonna be busy. Like you have to be a little bit busy, you know? Oh, pastor said don't be busy, so I'm not gonna do anything today. You know, like, no, no, you, you've, got to, you've got to do life. You, you're gonna be busy. But here's the brilliance of Jesus is he didn't say that Mary chose right and Martha chose wrong. No, 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 no. Jesus was making a point not about right or wrong. 
He was making a point, and this is so important, about proper priorities. He was making a point about priorities, that distractions, most of the things that distract us from what's most important aren't in and of themselves evil, but they become a distraction when they begin to pull our attention away from what matters most. And the more our attention gets pulled away from what matters most, it starts to affect the health of our soul. And the longer we get pulled away from what matters most, we will surely, quickly, find ourselves a seat on the struggle bus. Jesus is making a point about priorities. And, and I don't think Jesus' only point was the most important thing in your life is to spend time with me. I do think that's really important. I'm gonna get to that in a second. But I think Jesus was using this as a specific example to make a broader point, which is, you wanna keep um, distractions from stealing your attention away from what matters most? Make sure you have the proper priorities. Because you know what priorities are about? Priorities aren't about right or wrong. Priorities are about what's better and best. It's the nature of priorities. There might be something on your list. It's not wrong compared to what's up here. It's just not as good as what is up here. They're about better and they're about best. And I believe when he looked at Martha and what he was telling her was, hey, look, Martha, you tried to do this five course meal. That was the priority. If the priority had been to be in the moment, if the priority had been to to, to come hang out relationally and spend time with me, if the, if, the, if, the, if the priority had been to be present with your sister and with me and experience this moment together, then you just would have probably made one quick dish and it would have been just fine. Distractions, distractions, pull us away. Even good things in and of themselves pull us away from what matters most. And every day, watch this, every single day you and I get to choose. This is so important. Every day you and I get to choose where our attention goes. We get to choose what gets our attention. And it's either going to lead us to be a person that experiences more love, joy, and peace or not. And here's what's true just about me. My capacity to love people is lower when I'm distracted because people don't get my best. My capacity to experience peace is lower when I'm distracted because I'm always going, going, going. My capacity to live with joy is lower when I'm distracted. Why? Because I'm never in the moment. And the same is true for you. That's why, you ready for this? One of the most spiritual things that you could do Maybe the most spiritual thing you could do tonight, the most spiritual thing that you could do this week throughout the course of this series is to determine what your priorities are. The most spiritual thing that you could do is to define what your priorities are and begin living by them. Let me give you a a math equation for the soul, okay? And even if you don't like math, okay, school is evil over here in the front row. Um, This is a really, this is is an easy equation. I think it's convicting, but it's not hard. It's not hard. Here's the equation. You ready? Identify the distractions. Determine the priorities. Experience more love, joy, and peace. Just identify the distractions, that's like half the battle because that's the thing about distractions because sometimes they're just good things that distract from a better thing and they're subtle and it's life and it's going, going, going. Like we don't even think about what they are. But step one, man, identify. Identify what the distractions are. What are the things that are distracting you from what you should be devoted to? 
And then that'll create space for you just to determine your priorities, what matters most. And then we start living by that, you'll start to experience more love, more joy, and peace. And let, let, me, let me do this. I'm gonna tell you how this applies to me and I'm gonna give you three questions. I'm gonna be really honest with you all about this applies to me. You can't judge me, okay? If you judge me, you can leave, okay? I'm just kidding. But seriously, I'm gonna be straight. I'm gonna be really, really honest. For me, this plays out and I'm distracted. I, I, I tend to be distracted by two things. My work and my phone. And I don't mean like working on my phone. No, I'm jacked up. Like my work straight up, like getting to lead our church on its own and then just like, stupid stuff on my phone, like social media and games that I'm way too old to be playing, okay? And I started noticing some just unhealthy patterns in my life, you know, over the past, and, and, and there's been seasons of this, and I kind of catch it, and I kind of course correct, but even just recently, like in the past six months, like I started a new job, I, I got to lead the living room for almost seven years, it was the greatest show of my life, and I got to step in, they asked me to be lead pastor here, and it was a job change, and, and a lot more going on, and so I found myself worrying and stressing about work more, and I just started noticing some unhealthy patterns in my life. I noticed that my morning times are really sacred. Like I wanna get up and I like to spend time with Jesus and I make my cup of coffee. I like to get up before my kids wake up. I've got three kids, uh, a three-year-old, um, a three-and-a-half-year-old, an almost two-year-old. Samantha will be two in March and then we just had our third, so it's, it's crazy town. So I like to get up early enough to get a little bit of time on my own. But then I, I started noticing that I'd get up and instead of spending time with Jesus, I'd make a really dumb excuse to just kinda like scroll through Instagram for a minute, but then I would also... I'd start working. I mean, I've, I gotta write a sermon. I, I've, I've gotta catch up on my, on my email. And I would just kinda start working at 5.30 in the morning. And then my kids would wake up, and instead of spending time with my kids, because I'm about to be gone for eight hours on a work day, I'd put them on the couch and I'd say, hey, what movie do you wanna watch? Moana, okay. You wanna watch Elsa? Elsa? Kristoff? That's how I talk to my two-year-old, right? Like, and then, I'd, I'd, and then I'd put it on because they would just watch it and they wouldn't bother me. So I'm living just shoulder to shoulder to my kids and then I get to my work done. And then, and then I noticed, started noticing I'd get frustrated when I wouldn't get enough work done at home. I'd get frustrated with my wife Julie if she didn't come down early enough even though I want her to sleep in because she's gonna be at home with our kids all day. But I slowly start to get like upset. Man, I'm not getting enough work done. I wish she would come down here, right? The movie's over and now I've gotta feed my kids breakfast even though I literally said that that's something that I wanna do. And I found myself even leaving to go to work frustrated and flustered because I didn't get enough done at home. I'd leave in a hurry. I wasn't being a person of love. I certainly wasn't experiencing a lot of joy, a lot of peace. I was forsaking my time with Jesus. I was not serving my, life, my wife. I was not loving my kids well. And, and I'm not saying every single day was this awful thing, but I just slowly started seeing this pattern. Then I'd come home from work and I'd wanna decompress. So I'd start rolling through, scrolling through Instagram. And y'all, and, 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 and this applies differently, but for me in my stage of life, my three-year-old, I mean, we were in the playroom. She wants to play. It's how kids tell you when they want your attention. Will you play with me? And I said, yes. So we go into the playroom. And then without even thinking, I start scrolling through my phone. And then Harper looks at me. And she says, Dad, can you put your phone down? And I, I just remember thinking, bro, you're three-year-old? There will be a day in the future where you would do anything for her to want to spend time with you. 
and you're wasting it on Instagram, on email, on texts. It's foolish. And so I kind of had to kind of do a recentering. Like I, I noticed it. And I wasn't being as intentional with Julie when I got home. And it was just, it was, it was, it was not who I wanted to be. I was not being a person of love, peace, or joy. I started changing things up, man. Like I, I've got three new filters on how my day starts. This is what a successful morning is. I don't touch my work. I spend time with Jesus, I play with my kids, and I serve my wife. There's a few little things she likes me to do before I leave. Empty the dishwasher, make her coffee, toast, make sure the trash is out. And I'd skip those things in the name of writing a sermon. How jacked up is that? So that's my new filter. And then when I get home, I've got a space where I can put my phone so I can just hang out with my family. And here's the interesting thing. That's what I wanna be devoted to. But we're so easily distracted. So I wanna close with these three questions to help you determine your priorities. You ready? Here's the first one. How do you start your day? If it's on your phone, you're doing it wrong. Seriously, how do you start your day? You go straight to social media, straight to the news, straight to email, straight to something. Like, how do you start your day? Here's a little bit of just personal wisdom. I've learned what's best for me and the world around me is when Jesus gets the priority of my day. That when I allow his truth and his grace to flood my heart and I'm more likely to be aware of Jesus um, in my everyday life when I start my day with him. That he gets the best part of my day, the most important, where my mind is the freshest. And if you're not a believer, that's okay. Like maybe you should just meditate or read a book, something that exercises your mind. But how do you start your day? It's an important question to answer. Here's, here's another one. What can only you do? This really like finds its way into relationships. Like what can only you do? Only you can be that particular friend. Only you can be a roommate. Only you can be a son. Only you can be a daughter. Like, what can only you do? Here's what I've also learned. And I know some of you are like, man, I don't got time for friendships, whatever. You will rarely regret, especially in this season of your life, you will rarely regret prioritizing relationships. So who needs a little bit more of your time? Who needs a little bit more of your attention? There's, some of y'all are dating people that you really want to marry, but you're just expecting things to just get better when you get married, but you're not being intentional with your date nights and how you're treating one another. And Here's like the magic flip doesn't switch and everything is perfect when you get married. And then here's the third one. You ready? This is, where can you just choose better? <laughs> and you don't need to answer it to me but just be honest with yourself. You know this. Where can you choose better? Where can you choose better? You can be honest with yourself. If you're really brave, ask somebody that's close to you. Ask one of your best friends. Ask someone that you do life with. And don't get defensive. Just take it in. What boundaries do you need to set? Um, there's an author named Annie Lamott who said that no is a complete sentence. Some of y'all need to start using that complete sentence more. Where can you choose better? And then start to choose better. So 
I'm gonna go with where we started. What are you distracted from that you should be devoted to? What's getting your attention that something else should be getting your attention? That which matters most. When the things that matter most get your attention. It's pretty incredible. A lot of the other things kind of start to fall in place. And what you'll start to find is a little less time spent on the struggle bus. In fact, for some of you, you're probably one or two stops away from getting off just by applying some of this to your life. Because peace, joy, and love is available. It awaits you. In fact, it's the very thing that Jesus wants for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for you. So grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you're with us. And I pray, Father, that you would allow us to do the hard work of figuring this out. Allow us the clarity to see what are distractions in our life. Allow us the clarity to move beyond the things that are holding us back from that which matters most. And I pray that as we do, you would meet us where we are. That as we would build our lives on the things that matter most, you'd see us through. Meet us there. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.